Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Well, it's, I think the phrase, as the world turns, applies to tonight's show. It applies generally with what has been happening in the last couple of weeks. I'm talking about Afghanistan, uh, all kinds of crazy things happening, sorrowful things, embarrassing things, and so forth. Let me chat a little bit about Afghanistan, because we're going to go there tonight as well as Vietnam, Dallas, Rhode Island, China, Japan, Milan, Washington, D.C., and Woodstock. It's impossible to conquer Afghanistan, quote, unquote. Who said it? Lewis said it. It is impossible to conquer Afghanistan. This has been true for centuries. It goes back to Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great, he lost big time to Afghanistan, defeated him. He could not beat the Afghans, Alexander the Great. In the 19th century, we had Great Britain in there, okay? They lost to the Afghans. <laughs> Isn't this amazing? In the 20th century, Russia lost to the Afghans, and now we're losing to the Afghans. Isn't this amazing? When Russia lost, Russia was in there for 20 years, from 55 to 75. I'm sorry, they weren't there for, for 50 years. They were there for 20 years. But Gorbachev was uh, pr- prime minister, president of Russia. He and uh, Ronald Reagan developed a very close relationship, one, one, one based on respect, mutual respect and admiration. Uh, the Soviet Union was not what it was during World War II. It had all kinds of problems. It was several countries joined together, small countries. And they were in Afghanistan for 10 years and getting the hell knocked out of them, which hurt Russia economically. Many historians believe the reason uh, the Soviet Union broke up was because of the uh, war, the 10-year war. It ate up all their money. They didn't have a lot of money to begin with, and they kept throwing dollar after dollar into Afghanistan. Gorbachev said today, he was interviewed today, he's 90 years old. He was interviewed today, and he says the United States was doomed from the start. He did not know how we were so crazy to go in. He saw, because we went in three years after Russia got beaten Afghanistan. We went in. He says, look what happened to us, to Russia. And, uh, He says they were doomed from the start. Why they didn't see it, I don't know. Now, I do a blog every morning, as you all know. I've been doing it now 15 years every morning, seven days a week. Uh, And I talk like, I write like I talk tonight on the show. I got a comment this morning that's interesting, and I'm going to read it to you. And it goes as follows. We lost the war in Korea. We lost the war in Vietnam. We lost the war in Iran. We won the war in Grenada. We lost the war on drugs. We lost both wars in Iraq. 
We lost the war in Libya. Now we lost our second involvement in Afghanistan. We have to stop telling ourselves we are the best all the time, or at least just attack small, undefended Caribbean islands. The last time we were a powerful nation who could succeed militarily was World War II. We took two major countries, Germany and Japan, and knocked them on their asses. We haven't been able to win a war since. You can't count Granada. Granada is a two-bit island in the Caribbean. Why we ever went in there, to this day, I don't understand. I believe Reagan was president at the time, and he wanted to fight a war that he was going to win. It was like a two- or three-day war. It was a disgrace that we went in there, but we beat them. They didn't even have an army, okay? Uh, Should not be getting involved in these wars with little countries because they may not have the military power, They may not have the manpower, but they have the pride. They have the pride. Vietnam, 20 years. Did we win the war? No, because these people said, screw you, America. You're you're beating us up. You're not going to put us under, though. You're not going to put us down. We're going to stay here forever if we have to, and they stayed for 20 years. And they did embarrass us. They did beat us. Afghanistan, 20 years. They beat us. We can't win these wars against little people, uh, little countries, and we got to stay out of them. You know, let them, you know, let them take care of themselves. Let them worry about themselves. They're not our business. Now, two very embarrassing situations involved the Vietnam War and the Afghanistan War that just uh, stopped. In 1975, we had already been in Vietnam 20 years. It's the last day of the actual war. We're in Saigon in 1975. Pictures. I remember all day. This was so embarrassing. I watched it on TV all day. There were pictures of the United States Embassy in Saigon. I think it was a three-story building. There was a cupola on top or something. Flat roof, though, the cupola. And uh, people. Like you see the pictures, they're running after the big planes in Cabal uh, today. Uh, they were trying to climb this three-story building, and they were on top, on that top floor, hundreds of them, ladders they're putting up, and they were Americans, and they were citizens who had worked for the Americans who were trying to get their asses out because, because, my friends, the Vietnamese were at the gates three stories down, and they were shooting up there. It was the end. We had helicopters coming in and going out all day to take, filled up, then take the planes off, get the Americans out of there and our friends, go back and get more. It was a shame. We had been beaten. The strongest nation in the world was beaten by a two-bit country, Vietnam. 20 years, and that's how they beat us. They outlast us because we are not going to give up. Now, that brings me to what has happened, what's been happening the last few days in Afghanistan. Uh, we're in, uh, let's see, we're in, we're in Kabul uh, at the airport, and you have pictures of the tarmac. And these big jets saying United Nations on them, they carry hundreds of people, they carry machinery, tanks, everything. They're taken off one after the other, loaded with People trying to escape. American citizens, people still, Americans working in the embassies in Afghanistan. 
and Afghanistan people who for 10 or 20 years, they and their families supported the American cause and worked at the embassy or other areas. Now, those people who aren't American citizens but were our friends, if they don't get their asses out of, out of Afghanistan yesterday, today, or tomorrow, you know how they're going to end up. They're going to be lined up, and somebody's going to come out with a sword, and they're just going to chop their heads off one at a time. Don't say no. That's how they do it, the Taliban. Nobody's joking around here. You know, at least the Vietnamese would have shot you in the head. These people get their heads chopped off with a sword. Uh, and they're afraid, and they want to get out. And what's happening? They're not on the rooftop of the embassy, but as the planes are taking off, these huge transport jets, hundreds of people are on the tarmac running along with the plane taking off, grabbing to anything that's sticking out on the side of the plane, holding on to it, hoping to be carried away, grabbing onto the wings somehow. They're afraid they got to get their asses out of there tomorrow. They're going to be killed. Bad situation. We're embarrassed again. It's another Saigon. Uh, the enemy is at the gates. We screwed up, and we couldn't get ourselves out. Out honorably. Honorably. Which brings me now to coronavirus. Coronavirus. Got to talk about this. Very important. Coronavirus and children. Here's what's happening. We're in Dallas. Dallas County. Dallas is in Dallas County. Dallas County, Texas, have three of the most prominent pediatric hospitals in the world. One of them is the largest in the United States, okay? They also have a county executive. The county executive for Dallas County is not called the county executive, so you don't get screwed up in your thinking when I use a couple other words. He's called county judge, and he's called county judge. It has something to do with their Mexican heritage. They call prominent elected people judge. So he's the county, a county judge. He's not a county exec. But we're, I'm going to use the term county exec so we don't get screwed up in our minds. What's this judge doing here? Anyhow, uh, the county executive is Clint uh, Jenks, I think. Clint Jenks is his name. And let's see, am I right? Clay, Clay Jenkins. And he announced uh, Sunday, he announced Sunday, that there's no room at the end. They had no room in any pediatric hospital, in any pediatric unit in Dallas County to take in any children with coronavirus. Now, understand, this is Texas. I mean, Texas and Florida are competing every day to see who's the worst state in the union. Uh, do you know, okay, as of last week, 40% of all new coron coronavirus cases in the United States occur in Texas and Florida. Texas and Florida combined are turning on almost, are producing almost half the cases in the United States. Now, not a year ago, now. And there's no room for these kids. There's no beds in the IC, pediatric ICU units, okay? No beds. And if you come with your child or, or a doctor says the kid's got to go to the hospital, you're stopped at the door. You're stopped at the ambulance. You're stopped by a telephone call. When we get a bed, we'll call you. My child's going to die. I can't help you. I don't have a bed. 
All right. I don't have an inhaler. Now, really, the truth is, and it works out the same way, they don't have a bed because they don't have the medical staff to work these beds. They don't have enough nurses and medical support people to run the pediatric, okay, uh, ICU units. Uh, they just don't have them. They're advertising all over the country, Oregon, Washington, Maine, uh, Massachusetts, for nurses to come down there for two weeks. They're paying them outstanding money, two, $3,000 a day plus expensive, just to come and work. Uh, and these people are finding it hard to get off from their hospitals because they're crowded wherever they are. Anyhow, so that's what's happening now. And this is Abbott's state, Governor Abbott. He and Florida's Governor DeSantis are birds of a feather. They're both inept. They're both incompetent. They are Donald Trump's pers- Donald Trump personified. I've been saying this about DeSantis for over a year. I've been saying this about Abbott for about a month. They're both inept. They're no good as governors because both are against masks. Both are against vaccine. I mean, what the hell are you going to do? <laughs> These are the proven things that help you uh, protect yourself and your family and your children from coronavirus. Now, the county executive, uh, Clay Jenkins, the county judge, if you want to call him that, said Sunday, and I quote, you will wait for another child to die. You will wait for another child to die before your child can be admitted. Oh, my God, doesn't that send a chill up your spine? He also said, we have, and I quote, zero ICU beds for children. Things are tough. And this Abbott is a nut who doesn't believe in vaccines, social distancing, masks, all right? And recognize that all over this country, and the next, already started in Florida last Thursday, uh, schools are opening all over the nation. And governors like Abbott and DeSantis and there are some other nuts are saying they should proclamations, executive orders, no mandating uh, to wear masks. Uh, you got you, no mandating to vaccinate anybody, they're, although they're not vaccinating the youngest children yet. And they're proud of it. And they go to court to defend these positions because parents should be making decisions when their kids are ill. Not not people, not anybody else. What do parents know about coronavirus? All of us know what we read and what we see on TV. We're not the experts. Dr. Fauci is the expert. The CDC are experts. These governors are simple people like us. We know what we hear. Uh, we ask questions, but we're really not the experts. So there's big trouble, and this trouble with children is going to expand across this country because they're going back to school. A lot of these schools, no vaccines, no masks, and they're going to contaminate each other, <clears throat> probably with the Delta variant, it's expected. And bingo, we don't have enough beds now for these kids. What are we going to do a month from now? Which brings me to a study. Rhode Island recently concluded a study. We've been more than about children, and when they did not go to school for about a whole, almost a whole year this past year, <clears throat> we had them home. The schools were closed. We tried to teach them over the internet, and a study was done 
by, by the state of Rhode Island to determine if the children were affected in any fashion because they didn't go to school for a year, they had to stay in, in effect, stay in their houses, okay? And if they left the house, they had to wear a mask all that. And the study said, <clears throat> excuse me, my friends, said, number one, their IQs dropped. A normal IQ for a child of a certain age is 100. Their IQs one year later, children, the IQs for those kids same age are 78, a drop of 22 points. They also say uh, their congenital functioning, how they get along with people, are they happy, are they unhappy, uh, they lack stimulation. And why? Why do these kids like stimulation? Why isn't their mind functioning properly? And the reason is they haven't had socialization with the other kids. See, the kids have to go to school. They have to be with people their age. This helps them to develop minds and bodies, not just bodies, develop their minds. So these kids, you know, they sit at home, they watch TV, they do a little schooling over the Internet, but they don't go out. They don't play with their kids. They're not, not playing pickup basketball. Uh, the girls aren't going to movies Saturday afternoon. Uh, and it's screwing them up mentally. And it's a bad thing and it's a dangerous thing. And that's where we are with that. Nobody's fault. Let me say, we had to keep them home last year. This year we want to send them. We're sending them because we have protections. Uh, pretty soon everybody over 12 will be should be vaccinated. Then we're going to go 2 to 12, and the next thing I'm betting you, in 30 days, children from 2 to 12 will get vaccinated. Uh, that's the way it's going, so we're protecting them. And they wear masks. Uh, they have to wear masks, we know, and they have to be social distanced. Very simple things. We know this works. You've heard what I'm going to share with you right now, that over 90% of the people being admitted to and in hospitals today for COVID-19, over 90% of their, them across the United States are not vaccinated. These are the people who didn't get vaccinated. You know, we all get attacked by the bug, but if you're vaccinated, most people will not come down with it. And if you do come down with it, it probably won't kill you. It's not supposed to. But you've got these people who don't take the vaccine at all, don't get the shots. I'm not going to do that. I don't believe in it. You know, they, they didn't test the vaccine enough. Uh, not me. I'm tough. I won't get it. Well, I know several people who didn't get the vaccine because they didn't believe in it. All of them have come down with coronavirus, okay? Just can't do these sort of things. And uh, our kids are going to, are, are suffering. We got to get them in school, but you can't get them in school without protecting them. Vaccine, mask, and social distancing. Uh, which now brings me to another interesting thing. Uh, we have a national debt. Right now, our national debt is $28 trillion. I don't even know what that is. I read somewhere about a year ago, you know, pennies on top of each, dollar bills on top of each other, to the moon 20,000 times and back or something. That is 28, or that was 25 or 22 trillion. Now it's 28 trillion dollars. Uh, it used to be that China held most of our debt. In other words, those trillions of dollars are made up of money we borrow from somebody else to pay our bills. 
And China's always been willing to loan us money. Uh, I've always thought, suppose they say, I'm not going to loan you any more money, or pay up when your note comes due, we're not going to renew it. All right, we're not going to renew it. Then they're going to kill us. That's a form of warfare also. Well, it's changed. All of a sudden, China is not the United States' number one creditor. Guess who? Japan. We owe more money to Japan than any other nation in the world, China running a close section. And the numbers aren't big. Out of the $28 trillion that we owe today, okay, we owe Japan just $1.2 trillion. And we owe China very close, $1.06 okay, trillion. Dollars. Uh, but the leader has changed. I remember when I was in college, this goes, I mean, this goes back to the, uh, I was in college, 53 to 57. Uh, I went to college in New York City, Manhattan College, uh, which was up in the Bronx. We weren't downtown, but occasionally for some reason I had to go downtown, take the subway and all that. And on 6th Ave, either at 42nd or 44th Street, there was about a three or four story building. They had this huge sign on top of it. It was electronic. This is 1953 to 1957. And they had how much money the United States owed by the second. Every second, it showed a new number. And every time it showed a new number, it was going up, okay? And I used to stand there and look at it in amazement. We never come down with the national debt. We keep going up. Of course, in those days, I can't remember the number. It was If it was a trillion dollars, they'd be shocked, okay? It just was, it was big. We thought it was big. It was nothing. I don't know if they still have that sign. Um, Florida and Texas, I mean, they got to be big boys. Uh, their governors both want to be president. Abbott's a good guy, though. He says, if DeSantis really wants it, I'll run for vice president. Neither of them. They are Trumps. Each one is a Donald Trump. They're ignorant. They're arrogant. They're not good people. And we can't handle, this country can't handle another Trump. Uh, and I hope we don't get another Trump in the next election. Anyhow, Florida and Texas, Okay. New coronavirus cases come down every day. Guess who have the most? China. I mean, Florida and Texas. Combined, Florida and Texas make up 40% of the new COVID-19 cases coming down every day. A record to be proud of. Now, how do you handle these things? I mean, we, we've got coronavirus. This is a problem worldwide, just not the United States. And different countries handle things in a different manner. I'm going to share with you something that would never fly in the United States because we have turned into a bunch of dumb asses. i got to say it this way. In this country, we don't recognize we ha what we have to do to save ourselves, our families, and our friends. Here's what happened. When the virus started hitting more than a year ago, some countries uh, had lockdowns. You couldn't go out on the street to walk. You couldn't go to work. Nothing was going on, all right? And those countries came out with low numbers and short time frames when they had to uh, practice these safeguards. One nation is New Zealand. Well, I think it's two islands off the coast of Australia, New Zealand. Now, New Zealand was one of those countries that said, hey, we're going to lock down. Lockdown means... Nobody leaves the house. 
all businesses are shut except ones that are needed for uh, special reasons like a supermarket you need food or a drugstore you need pharmaceuticals. Other than that, no businesses are open. And they arrested you if you're on the street. They didn't screw around. But the people understood they had to do this to save themselves and their families, and they did it. Well, up until Saturday, this past Saturday, the last time they had a new coronavirus case in New Zealand was in February. And they got a new case Saturday. 58-year-old man. He is a resident, a citizen of New Zealand. His work takes him traveling all over the two islands. And somewhere along the line, he came in contact with somebody, and he's got coronavirus. He's got the Delta variant. And you know what the prime minister did immediately? She went on national TV Sunday, and she said, here's the story. We've only got one case, new case, since February. We're not going to let this get out of control. We did it right the last time. We're going to do it right this time. I'm locking down New Zealand for three days to begin, just like we did almost a year ago. Nobody goes to work. All businesses are closed. We've got to nip this thing in the bud. And the people in New Zealand are happy to do it. They are happy to do it. I have many friends in Greece. I travel to Greece often. And I remember last year when we were fighting the rules, you know, masks, social distancing, uh, my friends in Greece were writing to me because they had the problem. They still have the problem. But they said, are you crazy? Nobody in my country, meaning Greece, is complaining. We have to stay home. We have to stay home. That's what you got to do to save your lives. So that's the story there about New Zealand, and it's interesting. They know what they have to do, and they are doing it. Vaccinations and exemptions, uh, so you do not have to get uh, a vaccination. This is a dangerous thing, these exemptions, and I want to talk about religious exemptions. I wrote somewhere along the line last week, I may have discussed this on my show last Tuesday night also, that the Catholic bishops in this country are a bad group. The group out of Denver and the group out of Washington. Bad people, evangelical, far to the right. Uh, They've become extreme Republicans, I've got to put it that way, evangelical Republicans, and would rather do that, you know, than feed the poor and take care of the sick as they're supposed to. Here's what's happening. Uh, They said, we believe, half of the bishops say this because half disagree, they're like the people in this country, there should be an exemption given to people who who don't want to wear a face mask because it covers the face of God. The Bible says we are created in the image of God. How dare we cover God's face? And they're going to finance some people to bring a lawsuit in federal court to have face masks declared unconstitutional. It violates their religious rights for the grounds I just shared with you. Uh, I said, boy, this is stupid. They, they, they keep exempting on religious grounds for everything. It's like a birth control, they, how deeply they went. A line has to be drawn. Uh, some things may, on the surface, appear. You can't do it, and it's a religious thing. But you got to do it. Uh, it's not an absolute right. I know of no absolute rights in this country. Every right is subject to an exemption, uh, a deviation, etc. Well, 
Now Biden comes out last week. I love Joe Biden. I feel sorry for him, the beating he's taken on Afghanistan. Maybe he's right. Maybe he's wrong. I haven't figured it out yet. But he said, I'm going to issue an order. Everyone in the military has to be vaccinated. Well, it turns out <laughs> the military has been giving exemptions for years on religious grounds to people who don't want to do things. Like if you don't want to wear a mask now, you don't have to if he, if he says it. And places where they've already said it, like some particular spot in a particular country, certain soldiers don't wear masks. Then it's it's an exemption on religious grounds already recognized. Biden didn't know it, and uh, it's just it, this thing's going to fail. It, it's not going to fail. It's just we got too many problems people are throwing up. You can't heal a country unless you do it properly. You do it with bandages. You do it with splints. You do it with mature comb. You don't do it with bullshit. All right. Now, that's the story for this week. Uh, the news is better, even though it's bad, the news. It's cleaner than talking about Donald Trump as we did for four years. So... Good night, my friends. Such is the show for this evening. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, this is your host, Louis Patron, signing off.